Welcome to No Direction Beyond, your Starfinder news, reviews, and interviews podcast. I'm Alexander Agunas, a No Direction's everyman gamer, and I'm joined, as always, by the most intrepid Starfinder this side of the galaxy, James. Hi, I used to, I'm James. I used to write Code Switch. <laughs> uh, we're back after, uh, whew, gosh, our last show was at the beginning, in the middle of like October. Um, obviously, we, we do this show about once a month, and James and I wanted to spend Thanksgiving with our families. So uh, we waited until the 29th. So here we are, ready to review the not so new anymore, but still newest Starfinder hardcover, Starfinder Enhanced. Yay, finally. I mean, we got that preview of it the last episode and finally be able to dig into it. And we've had some yeah, time. Not right? that I've used uh, that smart, but you know. <laughs> right. Uh, so I want to preface by saying that we are not going to be covering the Solarian or the Envoy in this review. The reason is that we did a very in-depth dive onto both classes in our last episode, number 78. If you want to hear our thoughts on those specific classes, please roll back to that episode. We're going to go over everything else that we did not go over to today. Which is like the rest of the book, all like 170 pages-ish? Five million pages. Every page. <laughs> So, uh, at the before before we look at it, I want to know, James. Yeah. When, when we go into this book, what was your expectation for what Starfinder Enhanced was? Uh, a new list of starship rules. Well, that is that is a very small ask, but hopefully the book delivers well on that. <laughs> I don't think we have to spoil it. There are rules, <laughs> updated rules yeah. for starship combat. Yeah, there there definitely are. And uh, would you like to begin? You were about to go. You you you're ready to go. You're boom boom. I know because there's a lot like th this. This is a very, very dense book with a lot of uh, stuff that is very important to not very important, really, depending on how your your group plays. Uh, yeah. So we're not going to be able to read everything in, in depth. We're not going to go feet by feet, but we're going to give you like general impressions and vibes of the sections and go over some of our favorite options in this book. And then hopefully by the end, we should be able to answer for you. Is this book one that is going to enhance your Starfinder game? <laughs> that's good that's a good tagline i did it look at that i like it uh the first section is uh uh those things at the start back backgrounds that's it <laughs> the things you take at the beginning uh the backgrounds as you'll see later when we get into archetypes i feel are starting to get less um not important but mixed in with how archetypes work with your character because they're really throwing a lot of things in this book that uh increase the power base of a character and uh, yeah one thing that's interesting about these backgrounds is like a lot of them are reprints from adventure paths. Yeah. Like a lot of them are. Uh, and I haven't had a chance to like go over a comparison, but I've heard that in some of the cases they got eroded. Like uh, the paranormal investigator one was originally released in the three pole conspiracy adventure path. And apparently that one was so busted that they banned it from organized play. <laughs> I hope this one isn't busted, but you know, they it's in here. There's a really great uh, picture of an Android just looking at some dude's skull. It's very macabre. Where, where, let me see. Let me That's see. page 13. 13. Oh, oh, that art, that art is beautiful. Look at that lady. She's like, Oh, the skull. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's some of the, really gorgeous art that's in this book because man uh there's a couple times i stopped and i just sent in our discord just pictures of things in this book because they're just beautiful. yeah yeah, yeah. There's, there's also some art in this section that's that's like i don't know if horrifying is the right word but like i had to stop and just look at the picture of the skittermander on page 14 and like that's here 
Somebody drew that. That's not horrifying. That's just that's just Richard Skitterminders. <laughs> Richard Skitterminders. He yeah. looks like an '80s like. I mean, like the, the the archetype is personal trainer. He looks like one of those '80s TV personal trainers. So like, mission accomplished. You yeah. did it. I mean, it's it's. I think it works fine. I think it's good art. Um. Yeah, but like later on, there'll be some archetypes. Some of the archetypes are things like a uh, sports coach, which um, yeah. if you were to tell me, I would guess was a background. Um, yeah, definitely. It, the things are a little bit different when you actually get there. So it really is just a matter of like amount of power that they give you that I think is the the, the delineation now between backgrounds, which I'm sorry, are actually called themes uh, yeah. and the archetypes themselves. Definitely. Um, did you have a favorite theme out of the ones here? I enjoyed Rancher because I think that art is very good and uh any that looks like your character from our for for Vanessa's game. Um Stellar. Similar, yeah, similar. Yeah. Uh we kind of went for that kind of folksy homesy vibe. Uh yeah. I can't believe it took until the last rule book of this game to get a vid gamer arc theme. Like there's there's a vid gamer in here. Uh, this, this was not in any other book prior they've done a bunch <laughs> i feel like i've seen this a thousand times but it's 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 a mandala effect yeah yeah no it's absolutely an mandala effect <laughs> um so if we if we flip the next page the next section is uh new species which is pretty cool yeah uh some of the art is uh terrifying uh at least to me where, you where know, you, yeah where you think that's skittermanders where you think the skittermanders creepy i think this thing is the 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 Alana yeah Eliana Elianaya like so I don't know how to tell a person of a species that their face looks like an AI generated it (laughs) 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 you know I should write that down because like uh that would be just a devastating envoy quip to just tell someone (laughs) that it'd be good um yeah so in total this book introduces several new species and it reprints a few from various sources as well there's the alania uh there's the alibrian they are the alibrians are the inhabitants of eox before they died which is pretty cool i think they were originally published in dead sons does that sound right yeah i believe so yeah uh there is the endiffin i think the endiffin are new i don't recognize that face it's definitely a face only a mother could love no no they were Um, in a previous book if i remember correctly oh were they yeah i think they're from a um aeons against the Aeon thrones adventure oh yeah uh all of the races from the alien from the alien deck the 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 traditional galarian ones like the gnolls the gripley the kitsune the samsarans they all made it into uh there's living holograms which is pretty cool yeah living Uh, holograms uh i guess is not new to me because it's in pack worlds but like it just stuck more at this time because i I had to double check what's interesting is that the living holograms have been monsters since dead sons but they were never playable like, this is the first time we've had stats for them, which is cool. Uh, fetchlings, under the name of Kaal, are in this book. Um, there's also the Moishu, which I believe are also from Aeon Throne, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, there are two new species that I can confirm are new. There's the Navians, which are little uh, stars that some people really like, and I also think they look really creepy, but... You know, some people like being creepy cute. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like this cre- this this fits creepy cute. This, this thing would eat lint from your pocket, and then just like have your family strung up on hooks. Yeah, lava being in chat says Pac-Man is real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other new one is a Fey species called the Scuridae. Uh I think that they're fine. They look cute. 
but like i feel like they're the same kind of mischievous cute as skittermanders so i don't really know that i i need them but cool i'm glad they i'm glad you made it here you're gonna make someone real happy scurry day yeah i mean they're not they're not the dramatic dramadarians so i'm fine with them that's that's true <laughs> um also kitsune best art ever of a kitsune in this game system or in pathfinder either edition i love that picture he's like he he's just great it's it's such a good pose to me it makes me very happy thumbs up i like the jacket i would i would i feel like i'd wear that jacket right he's just styling he's good he's a very good fox <laughs> uh what's your what's your favorite species here that they brought they brought and enhanced uh my favorite is the uh novians because they just yeah. sound scary and i want to use them and they're tiny which i think is just yeah infinitely funny as a player character you know what i like besides kitsune uh i like the holograms because there is no reason i can't reflavor this to be a crystal gem oh yeah you're right yeah, yeah which is pretty cool so if you're a Steven Universe fan, the holograms do a good job. They have hard light bodies. They kind of naturally heal. They're robotic. They have a programmed appearance that, that that they generate. It's very, I mean, like you'd have to take classes to get their abilities, which is fine by me. But like, you know, slap some of those gloves that like shrink the things in your hands. The gloves are storing. Boom. You got a crystal gem. Yeah. Good, I, good times. I was thinking uh, Cortana from Halo, but yeah, uh, crystal gem probably yeah. is more correct. I mean, I think Cortana is not tangible, right? Can she can she touch things? Not usually, but I also haven't played any of the games since four because yeah, four was a game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then we... I like how Mirror Wolf agrees with me that that is a good looking box. <laughs> uh, also, mm -hmm. good. I'm sorry, I didn't oh, mean to cut you off. No, that's good. Okay. Next up are uh, class features. More class features. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. So. so... I would say like the majority of this book is class features. And so we did a deep dive on the, the updates to the Solarian and the Envoy in last week. And last, I got, I almost said last week when it's really been like a month and a half, uh, <laughs> but last, our last episode. Uh, and then there's all the new like features for them, but every, every class has at least a spread of features, which is pretty cool. Um, you, anything on the, anything that really sticks in your mind that you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that, I thought you were going to take a little bit about the biohacker because you have a lot more yeah. experience playing one than I do. Oh, I would be happy to. Um, so as people who watch the show might know, I played uh, Shivi on uh, Stellar with James and Vanessa and lots of other great folks. And so I do know a bit about the biohacker. Um, I think that uh, hypermycology, which is like you study fungi, is cool the reason i think it's cool is because it's the first biohacker and it's sadly going to be the only biohacker uh um field of study that like it has to do with the science that's not based around people if that makes sense like mm -hmm. all of the other ones are like pharmacy doing drugs on you like how your body chemistry works which is all really fun and cool but like this is the first one that i'm like oh weird science love it um, the, the, it's really good at, uh, you can like basically inject people with mildly invasive mushrooms and <laughs> it either gives them hit points if it's a booster or if it's an inhibitor, uh, mm -hmm. it reduces healing they take. So like, it's like the anti-healer, the, the, the mushrooms just take all of it. It's, it's very last of us. I love it. Um, the breakthrough for it, uh, lets you deliver a fungal infection to the creature and it like messes with their body like you can literally make it mushrooms grow in their eyes so that they take <laughs> penalties to like perception checks and uh treating other enemies as being invisible because you can't see them from all the spores growing in your eyes 
Uh, you can infect their brain to make them confused. You can like infect different parts of their body in order to um, uh, basically cause like mushrooms to like them to treat things as walls. It's pretty cool. Like it creates an impassable mushroom wall. Like mm-hmm. it's just cool. It's very cool. I I highly recommend this. If none of the other flavor of the biohacker works for you with like the the medical stuff, like this this is fun. Yeah, and Upset. and they have other expansions, but like uh to the class with the theorems. Uh, there yeah. are there are some in that mycology vein, like Rising Cap, which just has you grow a mushroom that can take you up like an elevator. Uh, yeah. To more pragmatic things like uh, turning sniper rifles into injection weapons, uh, increasing your in- minor inhibitors to make them uh, more debuffing against enemies. So there. Yeah. And mycelial network is sounds fun. I think it's very cool and creepy. Uh, kind yes. of like status between you and other people that are in contact with the ground. There's like a weirdly specific number of mushroom themed abilities in this section, and I don't hate it, but it makes me wish that we were getting more stuff that to give theorems that felt like they went with a lot of the other options. Because if the biohacker had a problem, it's a lot of its options were very generic and not very exciting and often weaker than other classes variants. Uh, I'm looking at you, uh, <laughs> the field dressing. Oh my God. That one made me so, always makes me angry whenever I talk about it. I also like, like, so I know you don't do a lot of Pathfinder 2nd Edition, James, but mm-hmm. Pathfinder 2nd Edition does a lot of things where, like, the, the names are funny in a pun kind of way. And so, like, the fact that one of the new theorems is called Do More Harm instead of Do No Harm is really good. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> I, I do like good. it. I do like it. It's yeah. a good, there's a bunch of, I think, good names and good yeah. puns and references in the book. It's just nice because up until recently, I'd say like the Envoy was the only class allowed to have pun names. And like now it's like, oh, the pun is spreading. It grows. Yeah, I, it. I, I think more varieties of classes get it. I think a couple yeah. had them, but yeah. Uh, and just um, very quickly, this is the Navasi art that I sent to the group because I love it. It's amazing. She looks bothered yeah. while shooting people. And that's that's a 10 out of 10. <laughs> it's, very, it's a very James mood like that. <laughs> just inconvenienced. Yes. Uh, I like the digital disease theorem. I just think that's such a cool idea. You can basically treat weapons that uh, do energy damage as if they were injection weapons for the purpose of your class abilities, because like you could essentially just inject things with raw energy. And it's like, that's, it's such a stretch, but I love it. <laughs> I, it it's even worded weird, but it's weird in the way that the rest of the class is. So yeah. it fits. It totally fits. Mm-hmm. And I think the biohacker should be about breaking rules because you're hacking how things supposed to, are supposed to work. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And then the next up class that has stuff is Envoy. Uh, you can look at the last show for that. Yeah. Uh, and the next one up is Evolutionist. Uh, Evolutionist gets a new, I always want to call them connections, but they're niches. Uh, yeah. This one's divine. You choose a uh, subtype, celestial, entropic, fiendish, or resolute, and your mutation points allow you to overcome DR and... Uh, get dr from uh your alignment and your drawbacks give you uh penalties when you're hit by the opposing alignment basically the long and short of it yeah it's it's pretty cool um i don't know i I, i'm going to admit that like of all of starfinders classes this is one of two that i've this uh, that i've never played the other one is the nanosite and like I, I don't know. I just look at the evolutionist and I'm like, wow, look at that that weird point system where the points go up and down. And like, I'm not really sure if this is actually helpful 
what am I doing this for? It just, it feels like a lot to track to me. And so like this, this class didn't change my mind. This is, I think that if you like evolutionists and you like niches, you'll like this. If you're like me and you're just like, eh, I'm not feeling this mechanic, probably won't change your mind. I do think that you get a lot more things to spend NP on. And I know that's something yeah. that's been building over books. Uh, but I think now there is a enough variance of powers here to spend your MP on or to spend things like uh, increased uh, reactions, which you're going to be yeah. seeing a lot more of in this book, um, that you can kind of fit that niche. Because I, I agree. I usually look at the evolutionists and in my head, in the back of my head, I heard, stop trying to make the shifter happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> but, yeah. uh A lot in this book changes that. I think the specific change point uh, was... I think it was around either the healing mutation um, or the plentiful augmentation, but I was looking through and the ideas of what you could do because you had more open spaces uh, in your build started to like click like, Oh, this is just a class that you get a lot of benefit from system mastery of. Yeah, definitely. It really is like one of the, I would say that one of the strongest evolution ab adaptations that really exemplifies this is broad augmentation, which is a option that lets you pick a number of total levels of uh, augmentations up to your level. And those augmentations that you pick count as being part of your niches, like associated augmentation type, even if they normally aren't. So like if you are divine and yours is Magitech, you could pick like, Ten, if you're level 10 you could pick 10 levels worth of ma of uh of necrographs or you could pick 10 levels worth of cybernetics and those count for all of your abilities which not only do they include the really good buffs like this is wild if you pick the the one option that specializes you in augmentations mm -hmm. but it's also like whoa i get to apply my discount to these like i can i can put these in my body for cheaper it, it's very good uh it's definitely a class that if you are someone who likes picking through every piece of equipment and finding the perfect combinations you will love this class i think the nanosite is like that too yeah yeah and the 18th level powers specifically cunning deactivation which allows you to turn off an augmentation to get more mp and empowered strike yeah. which allows you to use a big burst of mp to deal significantly more damage uh are, i think are very uh key to that like idea that you are the uh top of the food chain <laughs> Uh, to try to use yeah. that, that analogy there i think they're they're very good choices i would say i think so i i have not played in and i uh an evolutionist myself but I, I one of the gm npcs in teenage wasteland that my players can choose to bring with them who ends up getting brought to many places because he's in a polyamorous relationship with one of the pcs mm -hmm. uh is uh, a character who is an, an evolutionist and one of the ones that i'm like whoa about is secondary strike which mm -hmm. one of the things i didn't like about the core evolutionist is like uh it only had one you either got a ranged or a melee and now with this you can get the other and it's like oh oh all of a sudden now i could have a uh i could have a, a natural gun and i can have a natural bop very good yeah you can have your cake and eat it too and you could get a third attack like later in the book there's a feat that allows you to reactionarily vomit on somebody <laughs> oh the feats the feats <laughs> so after the evolutionist is the mechanic yeah um so do you want to rain on the mechanics parade or should i i think you should i think i think you had thoughts and feelings about this section right uh i do but i, I think they're less negative than yours oh i mean i think i i, I don't know i 
whatever but um <laughs> there are a couple of tricks in this book that i like but they don't feel like they should be class options they feel like they should be things anybody can do that is my big my big annoyance with this section uh the one that i'm going to point out that to me is the most egregious is disguise weapon you're telling me i need to be someone specialized in like how machines work in order to make one item look like another one that, that doesn't make sense to me i should be able to go to the store and buy some like tin foil and like paper mache and try my best even if i'm not a mechanic i can't do it very well i should be able to <laughs> yeah I, I i totally get you on that uh yeah I, I think some of the things that the mechanic gets especially through their um tricks um are things that complete the mechanic uh mythos like jerry rig which allows you to uh, fix something much quicker at a higher yeah. chance of having a break like repairing an item as a move action um which seems like something a mechanic might be able to do uh there's also a bunch of classes that get feats that a lot of them spend a resolve point to kind of re-roll their um token skill um so if you failed an engineering check recalculation allows you to spend a resolve to do that uh, making you seem more competent which is good um, I did notice that for mech defense expert and mech offense expert, uh, they don't list a duration uh, for changing the mech because these are things that allow mm -hmm. you to improve a mech either offensively or defensively. Yeah. And that's kind of weird. It's just like, is this just a forever thing? I make a check and now it's just forever and now I don't need this ability anymore? Or are you now going to retire and be a, a, a mech talker? Yes, you should. <laughs> Uh, also, can you show them the art on page forty-eight? I love that art. That's such a cool art. Oh, of the uh, of the uh, advance and vanquish. Yeah, uh, I'm I, I I I I'm hoping that Quig makes it into second edition because the mechanic isn't in the uh, the core rulebook for second edition, as far as we know. So it's we don't know if he's actually going to be a continuing and iconic or if he's going to retire like um, Tescadai is, but. Like Quig's art is routinely some of the coolest in this game, in my opinion. Uh, I I love it. Like that pick, that pick is so good. Like I, I just don't even know what else to say about it other than I love it. And he is such a good scrap rat, <laughs> such a good boy. Uh, one thing that I think is funny is uh, there's a jury rig mechanic trick in this book. There's also a jury rig spell, and I'm pretty sure they've used the word jury rig for at least one theme ability. Um, it, what's interesting about it is. What usually ends up happening is if you're a writer, you see, oh, there's a thing that doesn't exist. I'm going to write it. And then, like, no, everybody will cross-check in that one lane, but then they won't cross-check in other lanes. So, like, the, yeah, uh, there's no jury rig mechanic option. I, you would never think that there would be a jury rig spell for Technomancers, but there is. <laughs> and it's it's just funny. Like, uh, it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why you ended up with, like, several overlapping archetypes in first edition. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's something we call parallel design, where a thing gets done similarly at multiple times. It's it's fun. It made, I looked at that, I was like, yeah, that, that definitely oh, is. Oh, yeah, Love Being also brings up diplomatic immunity, which is totally also uh, something yeah. that comes multiple times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a couple more uh, tricks for the mechanic, just to kind of flesh it out. Uh, I love holographic duplicate. That's uh, mm. the ability from Mirage from Apex, where you just put a dumb clone of yourself that runs forward. That's fun. <laughs> I enjoy that. It's great. Um, is is it super dumb? Oh, it, it doesn't think. It just kind of walks across or tries to get as far as it can away from you. D do you think ranged coordination is weird as a mechanic trick? It feels like an envoy improvisation to me. Yeah, but it's it. I think it increases just the overall power level. Yeah, I I think I I feel like mechanic gets in this weird spot where like it's not allowed to be as good at skills as the envoy or the 
the um, operative and it's not allowed to be as good as fighting as the operative and it's not allowed to like I don't know hit as accurately unless you're the exocortex I I think that the mechanic has con consistently struggled to have a good like niche that like it's good in yeah so um I also remote mech operation um remote uh threat hacking and remote yeah. starship operation also I think are things that people that have played mechanics especially people that are new to the game um get kind of sad that they can't do yeah so it, they are a little bit higher level but the fact that they're even just there now and written in rules uh i think is uh goes goes a long way to uh fulfilling that fantasy uh going over to the next class uh is the mystic they put a new connection uh accord uh which goes for abadars modius uh dagosarn and lasala um, it allows you to uh, have more packs with your uh, mm -hmm. allies. It forms like a, a group. So you kind of get things like status on them uh, and keeps you linked uh, for 24 hours. Um, you can also share resolve points or give them as part of that to help keep them alive and give them abilities, which is cool. It's like this new isolation connection. Is that what? A, oh, oh, that's the second one. I, I, only, yeah. I, I just got to Accord. I was, like, I was like, wait a minute. Accord doesn't mean isolation. Do I not know English? <laughs> of course you do. It's fine. Um, I, I don't know. I think this one is pretty cool. You could do a lot of like abilities that make it so that you could sort of ignore different effects in the game. Like the first one, Silent State, makes it so that like uh, you basically don't gain benefits from aiding other people or the harrying fire actions and you take a penalty to do those actions but it gives you a bonus of saving throws against a, a bunch of different things like emotion fear of mind affecting pain sense dependent sonic uh and then uh when the silent state ends you get the an insight bonus you take the insight bonus from the channel skill ability uh and you can apply it to the next skill check you got because you basically like isolated yourself and now have the answer which is pretty cool i like that yeah, I, um, it kind of reminds me of a, like our inverse barbarian rage. Yeah. So one of the things I really like about that is like all the abilities play off of this silent state, you know, that it's it's kind of like a, a meditative version of rage, exactly like you just said. And I like it because it makes it feel like choosing this um this connection is really like a mechanical choice that gives you a lot of really cool things that play off of each other. Mm -hmm. Uh kind of like how the for the healing one, like a lot of the stuff plays off the of channel energy. Right, right. And uh just jumping back with a cord real fast, uh packed defense allows you to split saving throws. Uh yeah. path of focus allows you to uh spare uh focus uh allows you to share like senses and stuff so it's they're both good i think also there's a lot of things that add transposition uh that's one of the uh accords powers but a lot of classes get an ability that allows you to link and switch spaces uh including non-magical classes which is weird to see but i i guess it's a design space that wanted to be explored definitely i mean i poor isolation <laughs> he needs more love um <laughs> So the one thing that you can do with it is uh, you get this ability called meditative, meditative purge at a ninth level where uh, basically you can end your silent state to put either lesser restoration or remove condition on yourself. Uh, it ends your silent state doing it and you can only do it once per day. You get more as you level up and eventually you could spend a resolve point when doing it to instead put like true restoration on yourself. So you could just Ooh. be like meditate. All the negative levels are gone as you emerge. Oh. It's very cool. 
Um, and then there's Shifter, which isn't the Shifter that I wanted, but it's a very good Shifter. I like how it gets all the polymorph spells, and you get like a whole bunch of cool natural attacks. Um, you also can give yourself damage reduction against kinetic damage and energy damage, which is pretty cool. Uh, you get a healing factor. I like that they called it healing factor. It makes me think of Marvel, Deadpool, Go, Wolverine, the Shifter, Oracle. It, it is uh, weird that they, uh, I don't see any art for the Shifter, uh, or it's on the next page, but it's like, it, it just gets kind of like thrown in there. Yeah, there's like a weird like plant thing with Keskadai growing vines, which I don't know why that's there. And honestly, I don't know what that first picture is too, where it like he looks like he's crumbling into ash. Is that supposed to be isolation? I don't know. The art in this section doesn't feel like it matches the connections, but cool, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, it it it, it is. It's one of those things. It is what it is. It's still pretty art. Yeah, uh, Mirror Wolf points out my favorite part about the shifter, which is the final ability it lets you either turn into a colossal creature or you could turn into a living starship. I I, Who, I love the living starship, especially with the revised starship rules. Yes, it's very cool. Big fan. Hey, are you? Do you like the next section? You've been playing one of these characters r recently. I do. Sorry, I'm doing one thing here. Uh, da, 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 da. Sorry, and. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things for the nanosite. Uh, that's the next one up. They give them a new faculty, which is like, I just want to call every base choice a connection. And I know that's not <laughs> right. Uh, it's, it's just in my brain. Uh, it gives you the ability to uh, do things and interact. It kind of feels like uh, a miss, uh, not a miss, but a different version of a um, uh, uh, entropy class. My brain yeah. is, my brain is dying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like that new faculty, the, the the body faculty with the body array where like you can have your nanites rebuild you as like so that you have damage reduction or energy resistance. That's just cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it looks I, I, I just like being heavy and dense. And also you can use your constitution in place of your strength modifier for uh, melee damage. It's so good. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Finally, saving the nano site. Are all the bees going to be now metal bees? I know. Like metal Mario. And there's so many like melee combat um, options that are also uh, put into uh, the Nax here. Um, but I think one of the like sleeper picks is Intelligent Nanites, uh, which is a swift oh? action, lets you spend a nanite surge to gain a number of temporary ranks equal to your nano site level in a skill that you have no ranks in for a number of minutes equal to your constitution modifier. Later on, you can upgrade that to make it a class skill. So if you if your party does not have a thing, you can just spend one of your class feature points and just get that thing. I love stylish nanites. I don't think this is any use whatsoever, but basically what it does is when you form an item with your gear array that grants a bonus to charisma-based skills, the bonus goes up by one and the item's hardness is improved by your constitution because you have your nanites reconfigure your clothing to be the cutting edge of fashion. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. I, 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 off the top of my head, I can't think what you would use that for, but I love it, unironically. I guess if you just, like, wanted to fit in with the Ocean's Eleven plot. Right? Just, like... <laughs> and Like, uh, honestly, if the ability just did that, and it was like, I rebuild your outfit as a new outfit, like, oh, thank you. And uh, there's also stuff for getting shields, temporary health, uh, airwalk, which is fine, because it's a really weird version of airwalk. Uh hmm. There is also the ability to make cars. I want a car. Make me a car, James. I, I, I can't make you a car, but I can make a car that we can use. Uh, 
yeah, it allows you to just change your nanites into a vehicle as well. Um, and uh -huh. that one I believe is a relatively low level one. Did you did you see weighted for throwing? That looks like it's pretty good. Weighted for throwing makes it so that if your nanites create a thrown weapon, then that thrown weapon gains the recall property, meaning it automatically comes back to you. And on top of that, you use your con for damage instead of melee instead of your uh, your your strength. I love not having to use my strength. Strength is so awful. good. I also like how there's an ability called Combusting Cloud where you make explosions. Just it's so good. <laughs> uh, here we go. It's called uh, Niantic Escape. Uh, with uh -huh. this knack, you learn one terrestrial vehicle of large size or smaller as a uh, bonus major form as part of your gear, right? I love it. I love it so much. I was like, I can't yeah. remember the name. I wish the name was something different, but it's fine. Also, you can bring make cybernetic zombies as well. Reanimating minutes. So good. It's so good. Yeah, they went yeah, no. full Mass Effect on it. Yeah, I, I think that out of all the classes, the, the Nanosite is one of the ones that wins hard that isn't, like, completely redone. Like, it just has a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, and Nanosite, I feel, is um, a class that it kind of gets... It doesn't have a lot of the power in itself. Like, you do... It's, it's one of those other classes, I'll say again, System Mastery. The more you know about yeah. things that you can make in the game, the better that that class will be to you, and I think yeah. it will fit, fit your idea of it better. Definitely. The next class in our list is operative. Um, man, so I this this to me feels like there's a lot of stuff in there that I'm like, you guys didn't know what to do for this, did you? <laughs> like it feels like very hoshpodge. Um, like there's not like where like the nano like the biohacker is very themed around like mushrooms and like expanding the biohacker. The uh the nanosite has like cool new arrays and things. This this it's not this this the the operative isn't bad here, but it doesn't have the same level of like unity and like, aha, you know, at least in my opinion, it doesn't. One of the things I'm looking up with, there is a lightning reload uh, operative exploit. And I thought I saw one in, no, it's lightning hands in this book is the feat. Okay. Almost got you. Yeah, Paizo. Th there is Almost. a mechanic one for quick reload, but I think it's called, I don't think it has lightning in the name. There's like three quick reloads in this ability, this game. <laughs> um, <laughs> More people need it. I I really so some things I like in this section. Uh, I think having a first responder as an operative is 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 interesting. Uh, certainly, based on what we've heard from uh, the the Starfinder team, they're kind of moving away from the operative as the do anything class and more as the James Bond killer class. So I don't think this is going to be an operative that you could make in second edition. But I'm happy that it's here. I think being able to use uh, medicine for your trick attack is pretty cool. Yeah, I think first I like responder it. is also just a good specialization as it's not yeah. super hyper-violent, uh, which yeah. I think might fit some groups better. Yeah, because it's um it's it's special it's uh it's specialization uh what is it called? Oxploit. Like you know how everyone gets its own unique ability at eleventh level. Mm -hmm. Uh it's is that you can spend a resolve point as a standard action to treat deadly wounds or administer first aid, and if you succeed it doesn't count towards the number of times that creature can benefit from it. So I, I like that. That is, that is cool. I could see this operative having a multi-class build with like a biohacker or an envoy or something and being quite good. You'd have to be pretty high level since that's an 11th level ability, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's extra. It, it goes yeah. off whatever your party has already. I, I, there are some of these that are also like things that I'm like, I can't believe this didn't exist already. Like, uh, the feline reflexes giving you kip up as a uh, as a uh, bonus feat is like why is wow I can't believe that's not here. Um, or shank. the other part, of, yeah, or shank. 
Yeah, you when you use a one-handed non-weapon object as an improvised weapon, you don't treat it as archaic. That that definitely feels like something I would have thought the operative already had, but it doesn't. So there is a lot of I, I would say that defines this section. It's not that it's bad, it doesn't have strong cohesion, and that's because it very much picks places where you would think the operative could do this and it actually can't, which I guess is a good thing, but it definitely reads different than the other sections in this book. Yeah. There is the um mysterious benefactor uh line. That's very good. <laughs> very good. I do love you are already dead as an extraordinary uh debilitating trick. Um uh, because it doesn't actually tell you how many of the damages that you can stack. Because it allows you to take damage and say, we're going to have this at a later time. This is a special tool for a later problem. Yeah. Uh, I'm like looking at this book and this says that, let's see, development. Dustin helped develop this book. I bet money that he made that name. Having That's so Fist of the North yeah. Star. You're like... already dead. <laughs> yeah, where you just take all your attacks and go, eh, we're going to have them kip up, you know, kick out in like seven rounds after we just put all this damage on them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a lot of really good, there's, there's, like I said, a lot of really good options. It's a strong section, but it lacks the unity of the other ones. Yeah, yeah. I, I But I feel like the operative is in a good place anyway, so. Yeah, it's not bad. Filling stuff like, out. If you like operative, there are probably exploits in the section that you will say, oh, I might want that, which is good. Like, that's good. You want to be able to take options. Um, also, Precog, uh, this is a great piece of art on page 63 for the next section. Uh, this is what you want in your time traveling wizard, I think. Uh, it's goals. <laughs> I, why does it have a mohawk? Why wouldn't? If I was going to pick a dinosaur to summon to fight my enemies, I would pick the one that just randomly convergently had a mohawk. Absolutely, every time. <laughs> Bring the mohawkosaurus rex, please. <laughs> I I think, I think this the the like the uh stuff that they get here with their anomalies and everything is just so good yeah oh i love disguise of ages where it's disguised self but you make you yourself look like yourself when you're older or younger like that's just fun like that's cool it's very cool um distracting futures is really cool it is a standard action to surround a foe with glimpses of other times they have to make a will saving throw and if they fail the next time your the next ally to attack that target gets a plus two bonus if it occurs before your next turn and you can spend a resolve point when you activate it to increase the duration of the effect uh granting it to the next two attacks instead of one which is it's essentially harrying fire or mm -hmm. yeah it's it's but it's like there's no attack roll it's just a saving throw let's go <laughs> yeah so it doesn't have dex casting anymore but you know it they gave this more time features uh which is yeah. something that i feel like it was not missing but definitely benefits from having more definitely like uh, uh the speed boost one at level five where you could spend a paradox to just take an extra move action on your turn or level 11 blaster in the past where yeah. you harness the power of a powerful dis past disaster and funnel it onto the battlefield you ever want to hit somebody with the hindenburg <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh that's that's very unhinged of you like unhinged <laughs> presence uh the ability to uh become a glitching blur as a swift action you uh spend a paradox to gain concealment until the start of your next turn you know do you know what i really like about these mm -hmm. a lot of these things are options that let you spend paradoxes but they don't care what the number is yes. like so many of the original ones the galactic magic are like carry the three divide by nine this determines your paradox effect go and these are like nah bro just throw whatever paradox in here you want we'll make it happen like 
the game needed things that were just like par- the paradox dumps so much and i'm happy to see it here yeah yeah definitely uh because boy that, that the just looking at those numbers and going i'll never use these just yeah felt bad definitely i agree uh wow you can mass on it there's an ability called apocalypse oh i didn't see this one before once per day is a, a full action you can use a, pal- a, pal- a paradox to conjure a 50 foot radius 40 foot high cylinder storm of harsh winds and sharp debris uh, within 100 feet of you move it 30 feet every- oh so it's like a super powered flaming sphere i like that and then it says if a creature enters the storm or begins their turn within they take slashing damage equal to the paradox used to conjure the storm okay and a, su- a creature that succeeds at a reflex saving throw takes half damage Eh. the storm provides concealment it's filled with severe wind imposing a minus four penalty uh it lasts for a number of rounds equal to your precog level i guess it's nice that it's like guaranteed damage if you spend a high paradox but also at level 14 the maximum of 20 damage per turn is not great uh that yep. does not feel like an apocalypse to me i'm sorry mm-hmm. yep oh well i mean you could spend a resolve point uh when you move the storm to get double the damage which is better yeah so i mean 40 you know to 20 that's and it's an extra you know sharp wins i get it I'm not a huge fan of it, but I see it. And it's very, very fun, I think, for an NPC. Or yeah, anime. it's very flavorful. I like that. Uh, the next thing is the Solarian. Watch our previous episode. Yay. Next thing is the Enhanced Technomancer. Wait, we didn't cover this yet. I thought it was the soldier. Is it? Yeah. Oh, God, it is the soldier. They snuck up on me. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be honest. As someone who's played a lot of soldiers, this this section did not really grab me. So eh but we could talk about it yeah i mean there's a, a fighting style shaldirist i just it's cool uh it, it allows yeah. you to it's like bodyguard and you can get rid of certain conditions by being cool yeah uh, there's a, a fighting style for mechs uh, it's great if you're going to play the new mech adventure path I, I don't know if i would want my fighting style to not work in most of the combats i do though like i don't know how that adventure path is going to work yet like i don't think anybody does but like it's not fun to have a, a fighting style that you can't use in ever in your all of your combats like when i'm playing my soldier i can use blitz in all of them and this is like oh here's here's a niche combat style yeah. enjoy yeah I, I don't like it but yeah eh. well tunnel striker's great because uh i hate doors god every time i hear t- <laughs> i hate doors yeah you hate doors because that one time your party tried to blast through the aluminum starship doors and just couldn't i've hated doors since pathfinder first edition this is nothing new i hate doors <laughs> uh there are things that allow uh, you to get rid of doors as part of your actions without having prob- to spend separate actions i think it's a really good fighting style but my brain cannot hear tunnel striker without thinking of tunnel snakes and then i just go "Ooh, yeah but tunnel snakes rule fair quote the game why don't you (laughs) also also secure the area is very good it allows you to put a 30 foot burst that's like a forbearance but for getting a butt kicked as it gives people extra uh, reactions per triggering event in that area yeah uh i like the gear boosts they're they're okay twin tornado is fun Uh, it is a 15th level gear boost that uh if you can make when you make a full attack while wielding two one-handed melee weapons two small arms or a one small arm and one melee weapon you can make two attacks with one weapon and two attacks with the other weapon in any order taking a minus six penalty instead of the minus four so basically uh this is the only way in the game for soldier to get operatives quad strike (laughs) but Uh, you can do it i mean crushing steel is great it gives you uh constrict yeah Me- I do like constrict. Melee is back on the menu. Melee is back on the menu, boys. I love it. 
Uh, I like how Toxic Overload lets you use electric weapons to overload your enemy's environmental protections. That feels like Thurston Hillman saying, Aha! You think you are safe, but no, I'll get you! <laughs> Thurston Hillman very famously does not like environmental protections. I think you all know. And uh, next is the Technomancer. Hmm. Here we are. So... Like the other enhanced classes, the Technomancer has like the full table listing all of its things. It basically gets two new abilities. One of them is Technomantic Talent, uh, which you get at first level, fourth level, and every three levels thereafter. So you get a fair number of these Technomantic Talents. The other option is called Deconstructivist. Let's start with the Technomantic Talents. Essentially, oh, you want to go? No, it's, you're good. Do it. Cool. Uh, essentially... Uh, there is a technomantic talent for every school of magic in the game, which is hilarious because schools of magic were removed from Pathfinder 2nd Edition uh, because of the OGL stuff as part of the orc. So congratulations. The last reference to schools of magic in all of Paizodom. Here it is. Uh, but uh, you get there's one for each school of magic, and all of them are things you can trigger as a reaction when you cast a spell from that school or when an uh, a something else cast the spell and every single option lets you modify the spell in some way so like for example for for the abjuration spell uh you can either increase or decrease the duration as though its caster level were additional two higher or lower uh you can't make it longer than 24 hours or less than one round but you can alter it which is pretty cool um all, all of the different schools have different effects like this, where you can modify the stats and statistics. Like one of them, I believe it's Conjuration. Uh, you can modify the spell damage. And one of the interesting things about these is that you can take the same talent for the same school multiple times and the effects stack. So if I take, for example, uh, Illusion uh, says, I reduce the DC of saving throws to disbelieve and illusion by two. Well, I could take that multiple times and go from two to four to six. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, guess what? I am an illusion specialist. I will see through any illusion. Or you could be more of a generalist and pick up abilities from different schools and have multiple reactions you can trigger at multiple times. It is very cool. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I also think that this is going to be a system that rewards you for having an intensive knowledge of how the spell of what spells are in the game and how they work. This is like this option is the spell equivalent of the nanosites and uh, evolutionist item system mastery, in my opinion. Yeah. And then deconstructivist is a second level ability where basically all of your spell DCs are too higher for constructs, meaning if you cast a spell at a construct, it is harder for them to succeed, which is great. I like that. I think. It's a constructs with a technological subtype specifically. It also specifically stacks with the DC increase from spell focus, but not from other sources. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah, neat. good for that. Yeah, it's neat. Uh, what do you think of uh, of uh, of Reyes, uh enhanced character design? I know you liked uh, Navasi's. I like it. It's very green. It's very green. She's like full of green magic. Let's look at the magic hacks. Magic hacks are fun. I like magic hacks. So. There are a whole bunch of different options. Uh, they kind of range to like small number increases by like hacking the, the system. There's a lot of like, it feels very Sombra to me, like a lot of this stuff. A good example is Advanced Warning, where you gain an insight bonus to initiative checks and to perception, per perception checks to act in a surprise round. And you can cast Augury once per day, adding your caster level to the percentage chance of the spell giving you meaningful information. 
pretty cool. Yeah, a lot of things with, with the word phase on it as well. Phase drive, phase strike. Uh, yeah. So there's phase strike allows you to just go through uh, like walls and stuff, which is funny. Somebody thinks they're safe behind a you know a glass door. You just stab them through the door. Door's still there. Yeah. Uh, teleporting. There's phased attack as itself, which uh, is you can kind of see where something's like this is good and this is less good. Uh, phased attack is right next to uh, scan weakness. Phase attack is a circ plus one circumstance bonus to an attack roll when you spend a resolve point. Yeah. Scan weakness is you make a, a check and then you get a plus one circumstance bonus against attack rolls and you also ignore damage reduction and energy resistance. But both these things do things. One of them is significantly more personally expensive to you. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think that this section has like a lot of problems where there's a lot of there's a lot of parallel design within the own op their their own options, and a lot of it just doesn't it doesn't sell me on the fantasy of what a technomancer is, right? A technomancer is somebody who magically uses technology to manipulate things around them, and this class overwhelmingly tries to think tries to be Starfinder wizard. Like, I mean, like having I, I like the technomantic talents that we talked about, but like going into spell schools like that feels very wizard it doesn't feel technomancer i mean and then that's i mean that's it's cool you know like if, if you like it i mean i i think that it's kind of eh. i would have liked to see it be something more like I, I mean like the one thing i will give it is that it does feel like you're hacking spells which i i like that mm -hmm. which i think is good but like you can't say that same like hacking feel is like here for all of these options like oh no as a reaction when your ally is targeted with a range attack within 100 feet you can spend a resolve point to gain a plus one circumstance bonus to eac against that attack it's like why yeah that's a <laughs> weird but yeah. there are two 17th level i think they're both 17th level yep yeah. uh technological apocalypse or once a day you can create a cataclysm and make other technology except yours not work which is yeah it's like anti-magic field but anti-tech field and then anti-magic sphere which is like anti-magic field and just shut I, up stuff i i would strongly hope that i think one of the things paizo really needs to do as they work on second edition is like they need to sit down and they need to hammer out a class identity for the technomancer that's not based on other classes because like to me the, that that is the one thing the technomancer has been suffering from and it's why all of its abilities have always felt disjointed even in the core rulebook the tech technomancer's magic hacks are a weird combination of spend a spell slot and gain a, a, a circumstance bonus to the attack roll equal to the level of the spell and 1d6 damage per level of the spell amazing touch a computer and kind of know the vague information about what's inside of it. And like, those are comparable in power apparently. Yeah. And it's not no. one of those is a skill feat. And one of those is a class feat. So I really hope that Paizo takes the opportunity of making a new addition to really look at that. I think that the Technomancer needs the most time to cook out of pretty much anything. Yeah. Uh, so Vanguard's up next and we got a, we got a book it. We do. Uh, Vanguard. Uh, they get new aspects, distortion, suspension, uh, more abilities. Uh, gain, one around stealth <laughs> and one around uh, life sciences. Uh, they both are fine. They're more options. I didn't think they were hurting for options, but it's good to have more options. Yeah, there's there's a lot of cool stuff in here for them. I think it's good. Um, it's it like it, it comes down to like, do you like the uh, the mechanic with the points? If you like how they generate points, you'll like this. There's lots of cool stuff to spend them on. Uh, a lot of it's pretty good. Like, there's a bunch of damage options, which I think is something the Vanguard needed. Oh, and Tropic very... Rip is amazing. Yeah, I think it's really hard to play a tank if you're not a threat. 
Like one of the things that made it very easy to have enemies attack your barbarian in our Strange Aeons game was the fact that, yes, she had the highest AC in the party, but also she could crit me for over 50 damage at level seven. <laughs> and yeah. That was scary. And I wanted to stop that. Yeah, Entropic Rip, just uh, real quick, is it allows you as a swift action to spend an Entropic Strike to cause your next Entropic Strike that hits this turn to deal the bleed condition to an amount equal to your Vanguard level. So you can just find animals in the wild, like dinosaurs you don't like, and just make them sad. Yeah. Uh, the next thing that I want is the Witch Warper, the Enhanced Witch Warper. This class, to me, got the biggest facelift in this book, and it looks, it shows it. Like, yes. I, I, I like I think that, like, if for me, Witch Warper is the the best of the enhanced classes, then you have Envoy, then you have Solarian, and then Technomancer. That's my personal order. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I haven't thought about like, orders, but it is much improved because, yay, they gave you separate spell slots for uh, yeah. Infinite Worlds. Basically, you know that chart with every spell cluster that, tell, that gives you bonus spells based on your charisma? You gain the highest possible number of spells. You, you gain extra spells equal to that chart that you, you, you can use on infinite worlds. And then eventually you gain the ability to spend resolve points to use infinite worlds too. There, like this, there is so much here that just this, this one first little page on that first page of the section just makes the class beautiful. It's elegant. It flows. Uh, but if you want to play a witch warper you need this book yeah end of discussion yeah on second um, level you get something that allows you to use your infinite worlds and cast a spell as a yeah. as a part of a full round action it's great you turn into a red mage from final fantasy double casting it's so cool <laughs> and some stuff is um, devoted to like alternate class features like the lash the living yeah. grap like the living lash stuff so there's a lot here there is uh, there's also like an ability where you could rewrite your body into a supernatural version of yourself by like adding like, you know, you could be a shadow kind, a drift blood, a fiend touch, and all those options are spelled out. There's like somewhat someone has strong feelings about the witch warper and they did an excellent job putting it in here. Uh, the final type of paradigm shift I'm a big fan of, there are paradigm shifts that add new options to your infinite worlds. And one of them lets you summon a pathogen that is burning and burns holes into your enemy's bodies. Ooh, white Horrifying. Mm. Th this is what the precog apocalypse ability wanted to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be the witch warper ability. <laughs> okay. So next, this book has tons of archetypes and all of them are interesting because like james said some of them feel like they should have been themes <laughs> yeah yeah uh like the audio auto site which allows you to do uh dancing and music to get benefits yeah. uh one of the ones that i think is weird is armored visionary because like it's 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 the star knight the galarian like champion knight that we had forever ago you there's even a ninth level ability where you pick another thing and get it it's basically the it's the Hell Knight signifier to that book's Hell Knight is what it is, which I guess if you wanted a Hell Knight signifier, cool. I, I felt like I, this we didn't need this personally. You know, it's fine. Uh, it's there for people. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's Combat Controller. I like Counselor. Counselor is pretty cool. It's all about like recovering from mental effects. Uh, that guy definitely looks like a counselor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would definitely have chosen this archetype if it was around for my uh, uh, therapist character, so. yeah uh exalted champion is like a it's basically the paladin archetype is the best way to put it uh it's very short you get a ninth level ability and that is it but uh, there's like a whole bunch of gods listed yeah it's 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 nice it's short it's sweet it's, it's i think it's good for the archetype system that they're that they introduced in yeah the book. uh there's like a lights player which is all about using uh holographic uh, holograms and holographic stuff i think it's 
I think it's okay, but it feels like it needed more space to really be like an option. And it almost feels like it wants to be a Technomancer class feature rather than an archetype. Yeah, yeah, but it, the art's good. Yeah. Uh, Major League Coach, not one I thought we would have in an archetype section. I, I love his little hat. Why does the Skittermander hat go between, not Skittermander, uh, uh, Sheeran and hat go between the eyes? It's very good. It's like, how does, this, uh, the- how does one wear a hat? There's also a menagerie manager, which is all about using uh, the combat train mounts and creature companion abilities, which I like that. Uh, also, I, I I don't that guy that monster looks really heavy. Like I don't know how that Kasatha is lifting him, but good for him. He, he didn't skip, skip arm day. Yeah, <laughs> arms day. Yeah, arms day. Uh, I think the thaw metallurgic trigger is super cool. It's basically the wizard spell slinger as an archetype. You can like get lots of special benefits for spell throwing. Like you get a spell thrower infusion on a weapon that doesn't count towards the we- the weapon's infusions, and eventually you can just like swap spell gems into it on a fly. It's very cool. It's nice. It reminds me of the Tau uh, magic blasters from Outlaw Star. Yeah. Next is the feet section. There's a lot of feats. There's a lot of feats. Um, and I am a fan of maybe a quarter of them. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that feels like, eh, like I, you know what? If, if Dustin was still our co- co-host, he'd say that it's Katapesh Knowles on a Tuesday feats, <laughs> which basically means that like, they are super specific in very specific circumstances. And if that happens, you're going to feel like the smartest person in the room, but also that feat is going to do nothing for you most of the time. And I'm not a big fan of that personally. I mean, the, the, but... the anti-grenadier feat line just makes you a terrorist. Anybody that has a grenade can't even see yeah. one on you without just getting exploded. And there is a lot of really good stuff. One of the ones I like is uh, whenever you hit someone with attack of opportunity, they're off target until the end of their turn. Like if you're talking about, about tanking options, just putting a minus two penalty on all their attack rolls is a great way to do it. Yeah. I'm also a big fan of defensive stance, which is when you fight defensively while wielding a shield or a block melee weapon, you gain the inflank- unflankable universal creature rule. Ooh. That's awesome. That's yeah. so cool. There, there's two um, that I like here that are kind of early on. Uh, the first one is Breach and Clear. It allows you to uh, get rid of doors again, because uh, yeah. I hate doors. Um, the second one is Bear Down, which if, if somebody succeeds against a, a spell you cast, or you fail a caster level check to overcome spell resistance, you can spend Resolve to force a reroll with a penalty, or to do a reroll for your caster level check with a bonus. That's good. There's... There is a whole lot of things in here that, like, there's there's one feat in here that's actually kind of crazy for spellcasters. It's called Mystic Opportunist. When you affect a creature uh, under the effects of Harrying Fire with a spell that allows a save, they take a minus two penalty to their saving throw, and it ends the Harrying Fires if it were attack. Yeah, that's that's good. insane. Uh, very, not in a bad way. That's like a uh, that's super good. <laughs> um. Another one that's uh, very fun that I'm a big fan of is uh, Lightning Hands, which I alluded to earlier. Yep. <laughs> you either need you either need Quick Draw or Improved Initiative. Both are very easy to get. And when you roll initiative, you'd start with a weapon in your hand if you didn't have one. It's very, it's one of those things that's not strong unless you're somebody who doesn't always keep their weapons out. Then it's great. Also, it's high noon somewhere. <laughs> uh, anything else that you want to add as things you liked or thought were kind of eh? Um... I think uh, Lock Them Down is good because it uh-huh. allows you to trade Harrowing Fire for an attack of opportunity. That is a cool one. Uh, I'm glad that we got Time Touch because uh, Galactic Magic strangely did not have any feats in it. And Time Touch is like the, you get minor precog spells, like how they had it for all the other ones. I just like having everything be nice and neat. And cool. Yeah, um, and I think those are some nice... good options too. Yeah, there's a nice section about designing spells, which might help you if you want to make your own. 
and there's a lot of new spells in this book um did yeah. anything really jump out that you liked let's pick like two each um the one so there's chronosphere which is the one i really like uh that's precog yeah. you can use it at every level it throws something and it gives a speed penalty it does force damage it's great uh the other one i think it's a technomancer spell it allows you to throw balls of light which are just zenyatta orbs and they're just funny <laughs> that is funny uh i know if dustin was here he would want us to talk about fantastic transformation it's basically magic girl the spell uh, you 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 transform into like some different appearance and you get like swift action abilities that you can use each round. If you like action economy as a spellcaster, this just loads you with different ways to use it. And also you are officially a magic child. Enjoy. Yeah. Uh, there's also, I like shrapnel shot. Uh, I'm a very basic man. Uh, you just give me a nice way to attack with uh, some, with some good old fashioned technomancer piercing damage and I'll be happy. Shrapnel <laughs> shot. Thumbs up from me. Uh, then there's also this book has a lot of rituals in it, which rituals were originally written in galactic magic. Uh, some of the cool ones for me include uh, awaken animal. Uh, it's just awaken period, but it's basically awaken animal. Uh, uh, rejuvenation is amazing. Yeah, tell me about it. It allows you to get rid of things like uh, or get like regenerate. It allows you to get rid of negative levels, like casting restoration. Like for yeah. parties that just don't have the abilities to like do that on a regular, this is a new way to get that in there because that could be hard to find uh, if your party isn't specifically kitted for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think obsolescence is a great story ritual because you cast the ritual and then it just turns off uh, technological items of a certain level or lower. Yeah. And then the GM gets to ask, oh, what happens if all the culinary synthesizers on the colony shut down? Like, Lord of the there's, there's a there's a good, there, there are stories you could do with that. Like, how many of the of the vehicles, like the easy, cheap vehicles are only level like one or two? Like, all of a sudden, nobody can ride their hover cycle. What level is a pacemaker? <laughs> what level is a pacemaker? <laughs> um, this book surprisingly has new creature companions. Yeah, uh, the bone familiar is great. I like that companions also are kind of filling that familiar space. Yeah, uh, I I think Scooter Root has hilarious art. Scooter That's on page one thirty six. The Scooter Root. Okay, uh, one thirty six. Sorry. Go. Oh, this one. Yeah, this does. This yeah. art is amazing. Yeah, very good. He's a big, big old caterpillar man with a Mike Wazowski head. Yeah, he's got Mike Wazowski. <laughs> um. So then after that, we get into chapter two, which is all about equipment. There's a lot of cool equipment in here. We're not going to be able to talk about most of it, but I think one of the sections that people are really going to like is the scaling equipment chapter that is all about how to take lower level items and move it up. Because I think that's one of the places that Starfinder is kind of struggling with. Like you can't keep a favored weapon that you have to tell a story with. You're constantly buying new things, you know? Yeah. Oh, and it's not just le things for scaling it. it. There's whole weapon creation rules uh -huh. that are, are basically what you have been seeing in the cool rule books. <laughs> yeah. Like the base formula, like same thing with the spells. You're getting a yeah. lot of, here's the, the, the way the soup is made. Do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. We're not making any more weapons. You do it. Good stuff. Um, then some other stuff like, uh, that was actually pretty cool. Uh, there's like upgrading labor, which I, I like that. Give me, give me more labor rules. Did you see any augmentations in here you li you liked as a as a someone who is an evolutionist friend? Uh, there was one that allowed you to uh, take more reactions. Uh, I think it was the hyper nerves. Yeah, you can get three uh -huh. up to three additional reactions per day. That is crazy. That is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I like the. I just like the name of the item, the God Heart. <laughs> uh, your commitment to your deity has no bounds and you open your heart to them literally <laughs> so like 
So each one has like a super specific list of like things that like you get bonuses for when you do them. I like that. I think that's cool. Uh, I might give that to Dustin's mystic at some point and just say, I'm going to replace your heart with a new one. Yeah. Um, Levitation souls. I, I like that, but also I don't know why that exists in a world where I can just put the, uh, the good souls. stuff, the four souls. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's cheaper, which is fine. Yeah. I think it's funny that they made uh, species grass for a bunch of the new species in this book. Like if you want to be as agile as a Kitsune, you can use the agile graft. True. True. And uh, uh, Milo says that good. there's some scaling weapons that uh, might not actually be able to be made as per the rules. And that is entirely possible with a system like this. Cause uh, absolutely. The, I, I don't think they had enough time or space to write for everything. So there's going to be some fiat on that. Not only that, but like part of the problem is that this might actually be the rules that they use to make the secret sauce, like James says, and that but then those rules were never written down somewhere, and then somebody broke the rules and nobody checked. Uh, it's kind of the downside about having a very strict, a strict, difficult to pass uh, rule like that. Uh, but uh, let's talk about magic items. Uh, obviously, the Everfill mug is the best item here. Uh, I was at Starship Combat. What? Yeah, am I tripping? Yeah, page one fifty two is magic items. Am I? Oh my! Oh my! I am tripping. I'm sorry. Oh man! So you're gonna have to get it from me now. Uh, the Everfill mug is a magic item that is basically you can command it to fill with a mundane non-alcoholic beverage of your choice uh, as a swift action, and you can do it whenever you want. Oh. Did you ever like? Do you like coffee, James? I I do. Everfill coffee. You got it. Ooh. Um, there's also like uh, the time skip crystal, which is fun. Uh, you can use a reaction to slow how you experience time. And the next uh, action you take is uh, you can perform a full action as a standard action, a standard action as a move action, or a move action as a swift action. Mm. That's really good. Uh, there's also technological items like the endearing ears, the laser designator, the personal comm modulator, the headphones. All of them are... They're they're pretty. They sound like they do what they sound like they're gonna do. You got like uh, a, the laser designator is basically a laser pointer. <laughs> it's great. Um, and then the headphones are headphones. <laughs> uh, the picture in the book, you would love them. They look like diva headphones. They're like little bunny ears. Ah, I would show them, and... but uh, my the downloaded copy I have of this uh, is missing. Pages fifty two to seventy five. Uh oh. I'll, then, I'll uh, read them later. I didn't know this was missing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's also some uh, hybrid magic items here, like a hard light pole. There's the telemedicine changer. The Solarian binding crystal is interested. When you are fully attuned in photon mode per the Solarian stellar mode class feature, you can take a standard action to become unattuned and change and charge this crystal. Uh, doing so allows you to store your supernova for later as a basic grenade with a range increment of 20 feet. Nice. <laughs> Just put your supernova in a bomb. Uh, there's also this many grenades in the book. Nice. Two pages. It's a lot. Wow. I'm not going to read them all. I'm so sorry. If you if you wanted me to read them all, I'm so sorry. Uh, there's also a whole bunch of new serums. Uh, shout outs for me. There is the uh, Many Hands uh, uh, Serum, which causes you to grow extra arms for a quick uh, short while. Mm -hmm. uh, honestly, if you ever wanted to be a Skittermander, there you go. Uh, I also like this picture for this section because it implies that you could just get a serum in a vending machine. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And there's also this really nice personal item section that shows like this chill loafy uh, section that's like an apartment with like items that you could buy in it. Like there's an aquarium, there's a uh, privacy screen, a life suit, a galactic map, that kind of thing. 
And uh, that brings us to the other rules section, which I believe is where you started, right? The, is that the narrative Starship Combat section? Yes. Well, please take it from here. Yeah, it breaks down Starship Combat to be uh, way simpler. Uh, just forget about stuff. Uh, starships yeah, have five sorry. hit points. Uh, they have a, a toughness, which is a threshold, uh, which is uh, a measure of how many successes you need to get against them to equal a hit. And a hit does one point of damage. So if you have a typical starship, which has a threshold of three, you would need 15 successes against it to get rid of that ship. Uh, you get successes through many actions, not just actions that would necessarily damage uh, a ship. Like things like mm -hmm. realigning your target system counts as successes um, towards that threshold. Um, there are often gives you rules for boarding and just say, hey, just, you know, maybe make a check about, you know, doing it correctly and then just run a regular combat. Um, it allows yeah. you a lot of freedom to use your uh, regular actions. And there's whole pages of new actions, but are just simplified versions of the previous things. Um, it's it's definitely better. I mean, when you take a section, a chapter that nobody liked, uh, nobody is a strong word, but that was generally disliked and took up like 40 plus pages in your cool rule book and you distill it into something new that's about six pages. Good. Yeah, yeah. There, it's still there if you want to do the the more intense version of it, um, which is fine, but especially when you're at like a society table or a table with new people, it's weird to have to learn a whole second game. Indeed, I agree. I think that one of the big things that makes mechs more fun than starships is the fact that mechs use the same combat rules. Yeah. Um. Now, uh, speaking of rules, there's actually a, a two-page spread of GM tools in this book. Uh, they list skill DCs for you. It actually takes down, and they uh, they give you a chart of flat skill DCs based on CR or level. And uh, there's a replacement for, you know how like a billion things ask 15 plus one and a half times character level? Mm -hmm. And like, that's not a statistic anywhere. So like, you just have to do the math every time and cry. Yeah. Yeah. They, they give you a couple alternate uh, DCs in that table. So like, if your DC, it says that if you would normally be 15 plus one and a half uh, times your average party level or character level, you can use the DC provided in the table below. So all the, it's just there. Yeah. Enjoy. And it's and it Very still good. says flat DC still exists. So things like swimming don't get harder when you're higher level for no reason. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Uh also this book has a free archetype variant. Uh that's a very popular variant from Pathfinder Second Edition, where you would just get an extra archetype fee as you level up. Uh, I would say that free archetype in Starfinder is more powerful than it is in Pathfinder. Uh, in Pathfinder Second Edition, free archetype is generally horizontal in power. Uh, this can this can be powerful depending on which ones you take. True. But also, a lot of the archetypes in Starfinder are kind of not worth giving up abilities for from your class. So I think this might actually make archetypes playable. Yeah, I would rec I'd recommend giving it a try as a GM and see if you like it. Uh, honestly, what more powerful than the archetype things themselves? If your archetype, if you would get like in a, a level where you would trade something for an archetype feat, and your archetype doesn't give you anything, you just get a bonus feat. Mm -hmm. And honestly, a free feat might be better than the actual archetype ability in a yeah. lot of cases. Yeah. So for that one uh, archetype earlier, where you only got one choice at ninth level. Yeah. You now get a feat at four, uh, two, four, six, ten, and and twelve. I believe are the numbers, or not ten. It's twelve and eighteen. Yeah. So like that's a lot of feats. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, I am skeptical to think that it'll actually increase your power level to the point where the game would become unplayable, but it'll definitely be a, a noticeable power increase. I think. Yeah, I mean, depending on how you do it, but uh, I Starfinder is a game that I don't think is easily broken and and marginalized. No. Uh, like it's there's not just Pathfinder one first edition levels of just making things irrelevant. So yeah, 
Uh, also, one of the things I think is really funny is this book has milestone leveling. Because, like, for me, milestone leveling was just, oh, you did the thing I want you to do. Boom, level. And, like, to see that there's a rule for it is funny, but I don't hate it. I mean, it's fine. They've been doing it, like they say in the rule, in Adventure Pass anyway. So, just, like, it's just codifying it. Yeah. Uh, there's also uh, story-based wealth with equipment and and uh, and treasure, uh, which I am cool with that. I uh, think that's fine. It's a page. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Uh, I think the page that's the most exciting is the resolve point system. As if you uh, didn't the, have enough things to use resolve on with the new class features. Yeah, I think it depends a lot on your classes and what you do. Like, um, I think uh, some classes don't have a ton. Like, uh, like operatives don't really have things that spend resolve points. Uh, biohacker did not before this book existed. There wasn't a single biohacker option that spent a resolve point. <laughs> true, true. So yeah, there's four different kind of schools for uh, resolve points: defensive, offensive, transportation and utility uses and at the beginning of a day you can prepare and choose one option from each of the four categories to use your resolve points in a different way yeah so making spells stronger uh giving extra reactions making spells better uh moving things with a higher carrying capacity there it just runs a gamut it really yeah. is one of those like expansions of power yeah definitely i I think this is this is going to be a great system if, as long as you can hand it out to your players. It feels like it could be a really cool part of like a downtime system too. Like if you're going to enhance your powers, maybe you spent your downtime like researching and like focusing your magic, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're probably going to find one or two things that really fit with you, and uh, the others you can probably ignore. But that's fine. These are just bonus yeah. uses for a thing you already have and have to use anyway. You want to hear something really funny, James? Mm -hmm. When I originally sat down and like started writing the the itinerary for this episode, I like thought we were going to have time to talk about the the second edition Mystic class. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we're already yeah. already a bit over time. I you know I I went and reread everything. Yeah, uh, this book, as you can see, it we we even rushed the equipment section, and we still struggled. We did not make it in time. Uh, we skipped two classes because we already did them and we did not make it in time. This book is chock full of content and we did not scratch nearly most of it. Uh, final thoughts on this this book, James. This book feels like armory uh, in that it's something that uh, expands your ability to play Starfinder and to sell it to people. Uh, yes. It, it both like by numbers and by like play in-group viability. I think one of the things you've heard us talk about is like there are a couple of places where the either the design or the editing feels kind of weird. Like uh, one of the things we didn't mention is there's a like a, there's like a good number of mechanic tricks that don't tell you the duration of how long their effects last. And so it's like, oh, is this just forever? Am I forever this? Uh, which is a, something that probably needs to be eroded as it gets brought up. But I would say that like the amount of expansion that this book gives the Starfinder outweighs all of the jokes that, that James and I could make about a few places that are, that, that are, that are lacking for a lack of a better word. Uh, it's a very strong expansion. If you are going to go out on your rule book with style, this is how you do it. Like it's very good. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that this book is, this book is probably as necessary to play a good game of Starfinder as calm and armory. Like, it's very good. Yeah, there's stuff that you, like, the class re-features are something that you should give the new players. The uh, arc expanded archetype, maybe not new players, because that's a lot of stuff to keep track of suddenly. But uh, after a couple rounds in society, people are going to want those things. And even if they yeah. can't use that in society, using it in your home games will really get people into the idea that they can kind of just be a weirdo, which is really Starfinder's strength. 
Starfinder is very good at being weirdos. Uh, whether you want to be a sentient uh, miniature star or a talking magical fox person, or whether you just want to be a skittermander who lifts weights, this book understands what Starfinder is and delivers in basically every aspect. Uh, I would say this book is a must buy. 10 out of 10, definitely. Yeah, it's very good. All right. So. Uh, with that, we've come to the end of our episode. I think the next time we meet, it's going to be in December. Yes. Uh, I am thinking, do you think we should cover the Mystic next, or should we finally do Ports of Call? We can probably do both. Right? Yeah, Ports of Mystic, Mystics of Call. Yeah, my Mystical Call. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we didn't talk about is that during this month, in the month of November, uh, the Starfinder team did put out a... Uh, a sort of like a poll to see which species we wanted to see converted into the new second edition system. There was a bunch that were like surprising. Like I know a lot of people were very excited to see Barathus on the list. Yeah, I think I did Android and Barathu. I did, I think I did Gisoki and I know I did the, 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 no, I did. Yeah, I did. I, 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 it was either Yosoki or Patra, one of those two. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is the the planar scion that's uh, from the drift. The I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, I really want to see. I oh, I think I think I did Yosoki. I wanted I did Patra because I wanted to see how they would make it different from Catfolk in Pathfinder Second Edition. <laughs> and I did uh, the 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 one that I'm not thinking of the planar scion because like I wanted to see what they would do to make a versatile heritage mm. those that those are my two okay. uh, I think Barathu could be interesting um I was really shocked Skittermander wasn't on that list uh, I, th I think Skittermander is ordained to have different plans mm, you think so yeah yeah I mean it's 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 the goblin of the of the setting yeah well i mean they put goblins in the remastered core rulebook so that's why i thought skittermander was going to be here they made goblins core oh so well, yeah because like, oh. they're core and 2e right yeah but uh i'm excited to see what comes out i'm expecting to, to see a little bit more i don't know if you knew this weekend is pax unplugged mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh they're doing starfinder demos uh, i have a ticket but i've also been feeling kind of sick so i'm not sure whether i'm actually going to go uh but uh, if I do go, I want to like check out and see what the demo looks like. That's uh, like my big driving force. I'm like, gotta see the <laughs> demo. <laughs> I heard that uh, Jenny Jabberski, the the developer, is going to be there, Ooh. and it's like, oh, Jenny, play run Starfinder for me. Show me. Yeah, give me the sauce. Give me the sauce, Jenny. <laughs> Uh, but that's it for our episode of uh, the, the 79th episode of No Direction Beyond. Uh, it's always a pleasure uh, being here with all of you, and we're hoping to see you back for the next episode. In the meantime, we really recommend checking out No Direction's content on NoDirectionPodcast.com. It's basically our hub for where all of our blogs and all of our articles and everything goes up on. Uh, obviously, while you're there, you'll see a nice happy link to our Discord server. And if you're not part of it, hop on in and start up a conversation and let's talk Starfinder and let's get nerdy and exciting. We are a chill, cool place where you can talk about any of the cool Starfinder things that you want. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know, James, did you have anything that you wanted to shout out to before we sign out? Uh, no, just that the No Direction Network has a lot more programming. It's just not all of it's live streamed. I think we're the only yeah. one right now. We're, we are the final one. We're, we're the last We're the last people standing from the age of the live stream. And we will continue to live stream <laughs> until James and I get bored of it, uh, which hopefully won't be anytime soon. No, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Listen, I forget how to, how to learn use scenes for this one. I'm just getting good at OBS, and that's good enough for me. 
Yeah, right. I mean, that those are skills you'll be able to take to whatever you want to do next. Like, uh, I, like Param. I don't know if you if you knew, but Param is like working for a miniature production company. Yeah. He does this show with uh with Christian Stewart, and like yeah. he's like a big big guy with his his skill set so like that could be you someday it could be it could be i mean or you could keep working your job that gives you like a pension and things. i could i could but uh, you think my wife will be okay if to say hey i just want to grow up to be like param <laughs> she's gonna be like no we have a daughter <laughs> <laughs> oh i miss Un the guy he's not dead i talk to him still so <laughs> yeah all the time all right uh but until next time go beyond with no direction <laughs>